0: Welcome to the second episode of the Carver Johnny Podcast. I'm Johnny Carver. You might be wondering where the first episode was. Well, you're never going to hear it, and neither will I. My computer corrupted, and I lost all of my files because I had too many gigabytes of The Sims and Roller Coaster Tycoon. So I was in the middle of recording a podcast. I was like 48 minutes in, and then it just deleted itself, and it's gone. So, this is episode two. You never heard episode one, but it was great. I was the only listener, so um, I'm going to give it an A+. Hopefully somebody listens to this, and I'm not just talking to myself, but, uh, you know, what was interesting was that I tweeted about this, and I said, you know, I'm starting this new podcast. It's going to be called The Carver Johnny Podcast, and uh, it's going to be sponsored by absolutely no one. And I had some solicitors to uh, potentially advertise for the podcast, including at underscore Merlin, M-U-R-L-I-N, Ethan Merlin, who decided uh, to make a deal with me where he would pay for my second microphone in order to be the sponsor of my next three podcasts. So this podcast is brought to you by at underscore Merlin. And I also made a deal with him that he would get to be on the show 15 minutes and talk about Duke basketball, so I will definitely have him on the show. I'll make good on that promise, because this guy's awesome, and this is absolutely hilarious. Um, but I'm just doing this for fun. I'm not a media person, so I'm just hoping somebody listens, and if they don't, I'll just stop doing this and pretend it never happened. Like I said, I'm very active on Twitter. I, was, I make Twitter uh, threads about my opinions, and I had a couple dozen people over the past few weeks ask me to make a podcast And so I was at a store, and I won't tell you which store because I don't want to make the other stores jealous, and, uh, you know, I walked by and I saw a microphone, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to buy this microphone with a Christmas gift card, and I'm going to make this happen, I'm going to make a podcast. And, uh, you know, I don't even know how to upload a podcast, this is the second time I've opened up GarageBand in my life, so I have to figure out if I can, like, cut things out, I have no idea, like, where do I even upload this? I feel like podcasts are like the millennial version of Let's Start a Band except I'm pretty much doing this alone. I'm a one-man band. Actually, that's not true. I have my roommate here. So, now that we have two microphones, I have a co-host, sort of. He won't be on everything, but he'll be on this. Welcome, Kyle Masteloni. Say hello. Hey, how you guys doing? So, uh, this is Kyle. It's a big get for us. Uh, He's going to be a regular guest on the show. And, um, you know, one of the tricky parts about doing this alone is I don't have anyone to counter what I'm saying. And me and Kyle just play 2K all the time. You know Kyle can tell you that he wins usually um I do yeah and so you know we just talk about stuff like sports media rights and uh, the future of the UFC and, and a bunch of weird things that people shouldn't be talking about at our age and um you know so I thought this would be kind of an interesting thing to just have like a podcast together so you know if I say something stupid he's here to to make sure that uh I know it but uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Carver Johnny and argue with me on there uh, I try to answer all my replies I'm not famous so uh, it's not that difficult for me to do that. Kyle, what's your what's your Twitter handle? At K Masteloni. At K Masteloni. Okay, I didn't know what it was until just now. But I I tweet at him sometimes. So, how many followers you got? I got seventy. Seventy. Yeah. Seriously, only seventy. Seriously, I only have, seventy. I think I have like three thousand. There was a time that I had thirty five hundred, and I don't know where the four hundred went. So I have, I have like thirty one hundred now, or something, somewhere around there. I don't know. It's probably changing. And they just
1: don't like you, man. I, I know. It's, uh, it's rough.
0: And actually I got most of these followers because I did this thing. Uh, I started doing top five lists. Um, and so that's one of the segments I plan on having is we'll, we'll do top fives and, and argue with each other about it. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that later, how that works, but people like to make lists. And so uh, that's pretty evident on Twitter. I, I see people always trying to like list their favorite things. So I was like, why don't I do that? Um, you know, as far as other guests, I don't know. Do you want guests? Let me know. Um, it will be heavy NBA because of my background. Uh, we'll cover a bunch of college stuff, some football, because um, I feel like it. Um, you know, I, I have some really strong opinions about the college football playoff committee. What about you, Kyle? What do you want to talk about?
1: I have very strong opinions about the college football playoff committee, as you know.
0: Um, so yeah, as all seventy of his uh, of his followers know, you know it's a it's a big uh, big casting net there. Go Canes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess you, if you want to hear a little bit about us, I'll start with me and then I'll let Kyle talk about himself. Um, so I'll go with me if, if anybody actually cares. Uh, I've experience working for some NBA teams, both uh, in analytics and in a basketball ops capacity. Um, you can look up if you want to know what those teams are. It's on LinkedIn. Uh, I went to Arkansas and worked for the men's basketball team there. pig, And now I'm a sports law student at the University of Miami School of Law. Uh, this summer, I will be working for Wallach Legal LLC on sports gambling law. Uh, I'll be working for uh, Dan Wallach, who is one of the renowned sports gambling lawyers. Uh, he is at Wallach Legal. It's in all caps. It's like he's screaming his his handle, but it's it's in all caps. So you guys should definitely follow him. He has some great insight. Uh, about sports gambling law and uh, has taught me a lot and last summer i worked for a criminal firm in new orleans on the defense team of someone involved in the college basketball federal bribery case it's been in the news uh i won't really talk about that stuff or anything really that i learned in my capacity of working for nba teams because i take confidentiality very seriously so uh, i not gonna be breaking any news on here on purpose these are just my own opinions um, and I won't share everything I know just cause I'm careful about laying out my topics and protecting the interests of people I know and the NBA that I talk to. So, uh, I've been that way with every interview I've done. I've done a lot of interviews. I think Kyle has
1: never done an interview. Have you ever done an interview Kyle? Nope. Actually I was quoted once in the Washington post. So I have that. Tell me about that. So they interviewed me about Chris likes because the uh, basketball player for the university of Miami, because I ran their student section last year. He's a 5'6 at best point guard. He's 5'6 in high heels. Yeah, exactly. And he's just been, he's been killing it for the team, to be honest. He's our best player, rough year. Yeah. They don't
0: care about Kane's basketball. We're not even going to the NIT. Can I finish my intro?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: I wrote a book called Rankatology, which was God. based on an algorithm that I created to determine the greatest player in the history of the NBA, which actually gave me uh, the idea for today's topic, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, I love numbers, so I'll incorporate analytics in because that's my background. Uh, Kyle won't because—do um, you do math? A little bit. All right. Well— I took calculus in high school. Yeah, you were. I did, definitely didn't do that. Kyle went to a private school. I went to public school. We'll argue about that kind of stuff. I feel like that's interesting. Um, Shot
1: clocks in basketball as well as a must. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big thing.
0: Yes. Um, I also worked at player development, so I helped train uh, prospects for the NBA draft as well as current NBA players in Vegas a couple summers ago. Love watching films, so hopefully that'll be evident. Kyle watches more sports than I do in general. He has a wider casting net, and we're going to let him actually talk um, in a second here. But anything else about me? Uh, I really like dogs. I'm from Kansas. I don't think you care about any of this. All right, Kyle, tell me about yourself. Tell everyone about yourself.
1: Oh, God, I was not prepared for this. This is like when they ask you, tell me about yourself in an inter- in the, an interview. This is an icebreaker. Um, so, so I grew up in White Plains, New York. It's... About forty minutes outside of the city. I'm a sports administration major, senior at the University of Miami. Go Canes, as you heard earlier. Um, so I helped. I helped run the football and basketball student sections at UM. So if you if you ever see something that you don't like there, it was probably from me. Um, what What does that even mean? What do you mean? Like, if you see something you don't like. I I don't know man. <laughs> I was I was just trying to think of something to say there. But, but I okay, I went to the Virginia game last year. Number 1 team in the country. You know
0: how much I paid to be front row?
1: No. I'll tell you, $12. Yeah. Continue. It's it's a problem. But but also I'm starting to get get a little bit into the sports world as well. I'm interning for the Miami Marlins right now. Big rebuild going on. Love the rebrand. Hope you guys do too and yeah that's about it
0: yeah uh, and to be completely honest with you Kyle is one of the smartest sports minds that i know especially at my age um and he's somebody that watches a tremendous amount of sports i mean there was like one time that him and i watched hours of curling like it's like i'm actually not joking like he knows stuff about rugby he watches soccer i don't watch any of that
1: yeah we we stayed up till about 6am to watch the usa curling gold medal match that was pretty crazy um yeah,
0: so, like, Kyle's always watching, like, every big sporting event and then forces me to do it. And I'm a law student, so I don't have that kind of time. Kyle somehow does. Um, he watches these, like, really long UFC cards of, uh, you know, these fights. they are, like, ten of them.
1: Yeah, there's about 12 fights on a full card. Those and- things are too long. <laughs> They they are, but that's why you have options. So the last the last six fights are the main card and then you have the early ones and I make him watch the early ones sometimes, force him through it. And the
0: worst thing that he does is he watches wrestling and gets drunk about every Monday and I watch a little bit with him. But not a lot. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh it's 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 absolutely terrible. Um but uh you know, maybe we'll talk about that. But I don't hey. think
1: people care about that, do they? Um, people do. It, it draws better ratings than regular season NBA. Do people listen to podcasts about wrestling? Yes. They're very popular. All right, let's do the
0: podcast. <laughs> All right, so we're going to grade ourselves on our intros. Kylie, go first.
1: I give myself about a C minus, D plus. I thought I was pretty bad on my intro.
0: Why? Why do you think that?
1: Well, number one, the laugh at the end. I sounded like a, I don't know, but... And then also a little school girl? A little school girl, yes. And then I was, I was kind of caught off guard by the intro in general. I walked in from the gym, and Johnny just said, all right, we're going to film this intro right now. So I wasn't really ready for it, so I went fully off the cuff, and I think I did kind of well for doing that.
0: I'm going to give myself like a B minus. I was rolling through well, went a little fast, cut off Kyle a bunch. I'm pretty arrogant that way, but, uh, you know, it is my podcast. It's called Carver Johnny Podcast, so I guess I get to cut people off, right?
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's do the podcast. Now we're going to do it, like, for real. But we do not have intro music, just so you know. So, like, it's just going to start.
1: If anybody wants to sponsor us and pay for our rights for our intro music, that would be great.
0: Yeah, we, we really need that. That's, like, the next thing we need. All right. Let's do this podcast for real. All right. Test. T-testing, T-testing, test. Testing. Test.
1: Testing. Testing. Uh, Why am I louder than you? I don't know. All
0: right, so this segment is called Headlines. This is where we're going to talk about the headlines for the week, Kyle and I, and uh, give us, give our, all right, so this segment is going to be called Headlines. Uh, We're going to give the headlines for the week. We're just going to talk about some of the biggest stories of the week, and Kyle
1: and I will give our opinions. Uh, Kyle, what do we got first? So we're filming this on February 22nd. It was a crazy day in the NBA and we're starting off with the Utah Oklahoma City game and Paul George really had a day.
0: Yeah, Paul George hits the game-winning shot and the first thing I thought of was like that Gatorade commercial where he goes ball game, you know. And it was funny like it was that remember that Pacers series in the playoffs where he had that air ball at the end of the series, and then they immediately showed the commercial after it.
1: Yeah, that was quite convenient timing.
0: Yeah, I know. That, that that was hilarious. Well, I mean, it's just funny to see, like, the progression that he's had since then. You know, I'm just really impressed. Um, especially this season, he's one of those hipster underground MVP candidates. I mean, certainly he's all NBA first team, and I think you can make a strong argument that it's his team now and, and not Russell Westbrooks. And, uh, you know, we really harped on him for making the decision to come back to Oklahoma city, but it looks like he might've made the right decision. Yeah. All right. The other thing we're going to talk about was the Raptors Spurs game, also known as the DeMar DeRozan revenge game. He gets stripped by uh, Kawhi Leonard at the end of the game and Kawhi Leonard steals the ball, gets a layup. it's go ahead. Bucket. I mean, how awful would that be to get stripped by the guy that you got traded for at the end of the game, the year that you got traded.
1: That has to be one of the most embarrassing things that could happen to you in the NBA, Yeah, besides getting dunked on. You
0: know, getting dunked on never bothered me. I got dunked on by a major NBA player. I'm not going to say who it was. Uh, Not major, but, I mean, pretty big NBA player. When I was in eighth grade, I tried to take a charge. Uh, It did not go well, and the whole gym went crazy. I was like, you know, it's only worth two points. never bothered me. (laughs) Two points is two points. You know, threes are worth more than twos. I was yeah, trying to tell that. my coaches that back in you know twenty twelve. Nobody wanted to listen, but now this is like a thing. You know, everybody talks about how important threes are. And yeah, I wish I played now. <laughs> it really bothers me. Anyway, uh so this this Raptors game. Um, there were two calls that were pretty controversial at the end of the game. The first one was there was a ball that was going out of bounds, and Kyle Lowry was out of bounds, but then he comes in bounds and gets the ball steals it and then runs off game ends, but there was a whistle blown and they go to the monitors and they say, no, um, Kyle Lowry was not out of bounds. This was, this was really confusing to me though, because there's a rule at least offensively where if you're out of bounds and you come back in bounds, you cannot be the next person to touch the ball, which makes sense. They do the same thing for receivers in football, right? Like if you're out of bounds you can't just like run, you know, into the stands and then all of a sudden come right back creeping into the, you know, the offense and, you know, be a part of it again. But for some reason, I guess it doesn't matter for the defense. Like they can be out of bounds and then be the next person to touch the ball. I don't know. It was a really confusing play to me.
1: Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess it doesn't apply on defense. I'll, is... I'll be interested to see the two minute report on that one. Um,
0: and then the other one was so Kawhi Leonard uh, obviously stepped over the uh half court line which would have been an over and back call after a timeout on that play where they gave the Raptors the ball um might have been a ball don't lie situation I'm not really sure um I don't know it was really confusing they I don't know why that wasn't a reviewable play
1: yeah this really stumped me too because the only argument I think it was Doris Burke that said it was maybe the ball was over the line yeah I have no idea and also I used a lot of ums there and I hope nobody Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I did. But anyway, what, what else we got? We, we got more. We got more
1: headlines. Yeah. So next one, it's a pretty loaded story, kind of pun intended here. So easy cow. Robert, r- the Robert Kraft news broke today about a po- him possibly being involved in prostitution.
0: All right. So one thing that's really bothering me about this is that people are reporting what happened wrong. So there's a difference between being involved in a human trafficking scandal and being charged with soliciting a prostitute. So from a moral standpoint, I could understand the similarity of saying it's bad either way. You should know where the women are coming from. I totally understand because uh, human trafficking is one of the worst industries in the world. It's something that uh, has plagued the not only our country, but the entire world, uh, particularly in third world countries. Uh, It's been reported that these women came from China. They did not know what they were getting into. I mean, it's absolutely horrible. But from a legal standpoint, again, this is not legal advice. This is just uh, me talking as a law student. There's a major difference between being involved in human trafficking, which the district attorney said today that he was not actually involved in the human trafficking side and was not being charged with any crime related to human trafficking. There's a difference between that and being involved with soliciting a prostitute, which is something that he is charged with. Um, so he is a John, is what they call them. Um, you know, instead of being someone that's actually involved with the process. So there's a major difference between those two, at least from a legal standpoint. And I felt like that wasn't being covered properly. Everybody was saying that he was involved in a human trafficking scandal, which would be a much bigger deal from at least a, a legal standpoint. I mean, that's something that's a major felony versus... Uh, soliciting a prostitute, which is something that happens, unfortunately, in this country every single day.
1: Yeah, and another interesting added note to this story is that it came out that there's probably even bigger names involved, so we're going to be hearing more about this. Yeah, I don't really have that on my list of things I want to talk about on the podcast, you know, a list
0: of celebrities that might be involved in this. I'm going to leave that for uh, for the people that break news, not me. I mean, I have I have ideas based on, you know, using... Reasoning on proximity, location,
1: you yeah. know. I don't know. Let's talk about something else. Okay, so sticking more with the legal side, the we're going to go over the whole Jim Beheim situation and how he ran somebody over and tragically killed him on the highway. He was driving it around midnight when this happened. Now, mind you, this is a super dark highway. I've driven on it before. I don't know why the guy was out there. I think it was because... Yeah, there was a
0: car accident. So, I mean,
1: look, I've been in a car accident before on the side of the highway. There's reasons to get out of the car. I could totally
0: understand how this could happen.
1: Yeah, and there was also snow on the road, which doesn't help either. But it did seem like he didn't really do anything wrong. It was just a tragic accident.
0: Yeah, so this was something that really, really bothered me. And I talked about this a little bit on Twitter. So, I saw somebody that said, Cancel Jim Beheim," But... If you saw the reporting, first of all, he did a field sobriety test, which is something that's pretty standard if there's a situation like this, and he passed it, which makes sense because he was coming from a game. I mean, he wasn't drunk when he was coaching the game, so why would he be drunk driving the car coming home from the game? Uh, He was not under the influence of any drugs, and the district attorney said that he wasn't speeding. So there are no charges pending on Jim Beheim. So, you know, I feel absolutely terrible for the family, It's awful, Um, but the family is not pressing charges, so it sounds like they understand that it was a tragic situation on both sides. But I think we need to respect the fact that this is terrible for Jim Beheim and his family as well. I mean, I I can't imagine how Jim Beheim feels right now because he obviously didn't want to hit somebody. This was uh, a a poor weather situation, which happens pretty frequently. I I know that your family is uh, around the Syracuse area. You guys have pretty deep ties in Syracuse, so— You know, I I can understand that you guys know a lot about that area. The highways are not good. Yeah, it's the frozen tundra up there. Yeah. So I I went there in January and it was snowing and and it was I had an Uber actually that picked me up and he was under the influence and drove me to the game, which is a totally different topic for another day. But anyway, you know, I could just it just really bothered me the way that people were covering this and especially ESPN taking away college game day, from what I understand
1: from the Syracuse Duke game. I, I don't understand why they're doing that. Yeah. I don't really understand either because it's clearly the biggest college basketball game of the week. And you're really taking something from the kids when you don't promote it the way, when you don't promote it the way that it should, that it should be promoted.
0: Yeah. It, it, it really bothers me because not only that, you know, it's taking away from the students that had absolutely nothing to do with it. The players, Jim Beheim didn't do anything wrong. Even according to the family of the victim, who's not pressing any charges, the district attorney, the prosecuting office of Syracuse and, and the, their county. I mean, obviously, he wasn't drunk. He wasn't speeding. He wasn't under the influence of any drugs. So I don't understand why this story was reported
1: in the negative light that it was.
0: I just didn't like the way that all the headlines read for this, this whole thing. Like, it was a really tragic situation for everyone involved.
1: Yeah, and I also wonder how this is going to affect him coaching the game because this has to somewhat be in his head. Oh yeah. No, I, I definitely see that. And I don't know that this game is the number one
0: thing on his mind. And I could totally understand that anyway. If it were me, I don't even know if I would coach it or not. I'm not sure. Um, props to him for, you know, trying to get past this. And, uh, my thoughts are with the family of the, uh, the man that was tragically, uh, killed.
1: Yep. And then going, and then going off of that as well with the Duke Syracuse game on Saturday, so Zion Williamson's shoe pretty much exploded in the in the UNC game on Wednesday, and he had a slight knee sprain. Thank God it wasn't anything worse. You want to know what the first thing I thought about was when that happened? What? Nike stock is going to go
0: down a lot the next day. That's what I... That was, like, the first thing I thought was, like, Nike stock is going to decrease tomorrow, and... It's really ridiculous that I think that way, first of all, because that's just a weird way to think. But second of all, I think it just shows like how important Zion Williamson is. Like He has so much power that he affected Nike stock, and he did. If uh, Darren Ravel had a tweet about this, and, and somebody made a joke. They're like, I can't wait for Darren Ravel to talk about Nike stock tomorrow, and he, he was right. He has such an impact on college basketball, the way that it's covered, Nike, uh, because of the the Duke sponsorship with Nike and the fact that he's wearing Nike, uh, Nike shoes and, and and that's what you know shoe of, was obliterated on the court. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um, it just shows how much power he has and how much popularity he has among the league. And you know, it's just sad that like he can affect the stock of the company that sponsors the program,
1: yet he doesn't make any money. How much were tickets selling for the for the game? So it was about 2500 for the worst tickets in the House, and then about $10,000 for courtside seats. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And they're there to see who? Zion. Yeah, they're there to see Zion.
0: Barack Obama was there to see Zion. Yeah, Barack Obama was there to see Zion Williamson. Like, that's ridiculous. And he doesn't get any money for that. Yeah, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And I, I don't know, I just— It really bothers me that I'm seeing these people try to tell Zion Williamson indirectly or directly what to do. Like they're saying, you know, you're a basketball player, you're supposed to play basketball. It's just different than that. I mean, there's tens of millions of dollars on the line. You don't know what his family's financial situation is. I mean, some of these kids that I've been around or seen, a lot of them grew up in, you know, one bedroom homes with very little amount of food. And even if the player's being paid under the table, it's not like his family has that kind of money. I mean, you're not just responsible for yourself, you're responsible for your entire family as well. Now, I don't know Zion's situation personally. I don't know what kind of financial situation his family's in. But if you have a chance to make tens of millions of dollars, you have to be able to, or you you should protect that investment at all costs. Because any of us would do that agreed yeah so like here's a scenario so let's say you're at a job and you have one you're not making a whole lot of money in Zion's case he's making absolutely nothing that be enough so somebody comes to you and says next fall i will give you a job that will be worth tens of millions of dollars it's a revocable offer but it's out there do you take the offer or do you just continue to do your job until next fall and, and then and then take the new job? What do you do? You take the offer. Yeah, you take the offer and you stop working your job, right? So in Zion's case, like there's absolutely nothing else for him to gain. He is going to be the number one pick. If somebody doesn't pick him number one, doesn't make any sense. I was talking to a scout this summer and we were arguing pretty heavily for like an hour about Zion Williamson. And he had two complaints. He said, one, I think he has too much weight. And two, I don't think he's very skilled. And I was like, first of all, his weight doesn't matter when he can run the floor like a gazelle, except if the gazelle was a buffalo. <laughs> it's like he's J.J. Watt, but he can dunk, he can rebound, he can run the floor. Like, he literally is the same, like, body, percent. It, his, his, his height, his weight is pretty much the same as J.J. Watt but he's a basketball player and he can play multiple positions. So I, I just didn't understand the whole idea of, you know, his, his body weight being an issue. I'm more worried about his body fat percentage and whether or not he can run up and down the floor. The other thing, you know, about him not being skilled, I was like, listen, he can be so creative while he dunks. And I know that he's more than just a dunker. And that's what I was trying to make the point of. I was like, well, he can pass really well. Uh, he's an incredible rebounder, but you know, when he jumps in the air, he is just so creative with the ball. And I think that takes a lot of hand-eye coordination. And you see the hand-eye coordination play out in his passing. You see it play out uh, defensively. He's really good at deflecting passes. And jumping is a part of rebounding. So, you know, they're like, oh, he's just a guy who can jump high. Yeah, that'll help him rebound. Yeah, And he's 280 pounds. Like, that's going to, you don't think that's going to help him hold everybody off in a box out? Like, of course it is. 100%. Yeah, exactly. So that was my argument with the, with the scout. And... He called me back last week and he admitted that he was completely wrong. Zion Williamson is an absolute freak, obvious number one pick. Felt really good about that. I've been wrong about guys plenty and he's been right, you know, but it was just interesting to see. He wasn't the only scout that was saying this this summer, but um, at this point, he has proven that he is the obvious number one pick. I consider this the Zion lottery. It's just like LeBron James in 2003. It's like, um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Do, can you remember a number one pick that was like very
1: obvious? Hmm. you wouldn't know john wall i would
0: john wall was it seemed like it was pretty obvious blake griffin it's pretty obvious yeah yeah honestly greg odin like everybody would have picked greg odin number one in 2008 like that would be another one over kevin durant i think pretty much everybody would now in hindsight everybody knows it's wrong but if you look back greg odin was ridiculous Yeah, he was a beast. Yeah, he was an absolute beast. So I I totally understand, you know, body size. It was different back in 2008. Bigs actually mattered. Being a true five was something that mattered. So anyway, kind of going off on a tangent, but, you know, I'll talk more about my thoughts on how ridiculous Zion Williamson is on this. uh, Williamson is on this podcast. But for now, it's just amazing to see the amount of reach he's had in the media and even with
1: the stock market. I know it's nuts. All right, what we got? What else? So... So next, All-Star Weekend was still technically this week. And speaking of great dunkers, Diallo dunked over Shaq.
0: Yeah, so he did Vince Carter's best dunk, but he did it over Shaq. Like yeah. that is so ridiculous. It was, and then he hung there and did the whole like uh, game blouses thing from the from the Dave Chappelle show. You know, it was just hanging there. You know, showing the the uh, Superman thing. It was so perfect. That was iconic. That was one of the best dunk contest dunks I've ever seen. Agreed. Yeah, that would be a top five dunk contest dunk that at least that I've seen live. So I, I the first dunk contest that I saw, I'm 23 years old. The first dunk contest that I can remember was 2000, which I have a really good memory. So I can remember that, but I can't remember what I ate yesterday. I don't know how it works. That was a top five dunk that I can remember. Like that was just, it was just incredible. I mean, I know everybody's complaining that the dunk contest wasn't fun, but it's really incredible to watch these people have 40 years of precedent that they have to exceed. So, you know, the first dunk contest was in 1976 in the ABA. And if you repeat a dunk that someone else has done directly, everybody else is going to be bored. So you have to do something new. So it's really interesting to see some of the best athletes in the world defy human logic and they say what you can only be in the air for an average of one second or something like that you can't be in the air for over a second I saw saw it on sports science right
1: everybody except
0: Zion it seems like exactly so he'll be he'll be fun at the dunk contest next year I really hope he does it oh that'd be that'd be iconic but anyway it's really cool to see them test the limits of the human body and it's a it's an event for kids If you don't take it seriously, it's a lot more fun to watch. I just don't understand why people complain about it. Like, you know, they're mad that they're bringing out props and all that stuff. Like, how do you do something new? Like, you can only do so much with your body. Were they supposed to do a a 720, an 8, I don't know, how 360. What's 360 times 2? Do you you know math? 720. 720, yeah. They did, like, a 720. That'd be new. Yeah. But, like, other than that, like, you kind of have to bring out props to do something new. But... You can't really do
1: a 720. That's the problem. No,
0: there was a guy on the N1 mixtape tour that did it.
1: Really? Yes. Look it up. Well, I I'll, mean not now, yeah. but I'm I'll just look that like, up no, later. no, like
0: you don't need to look it up while we're filming a podcast. I you know, know you don't film a podcast, you record it. I, I keep
1: getting that wrong. Okay, what else? So, next, so LeBron's in playoff mode now. It didn't really seem like it the other day.
0: Yeah, so there was one play where a guy was shooting a 3 and he had position in the post. So he obviously wanted the ball, should have gotten the ball. Shot goes up and he just gives up on the play. Just like body language, throws the throws his hands up, completely passive aggressive, and just walks away. That is not playoff mode. I mean maybe maybe it has been for him at and sometimes in the past, but you need to show more effort than that in that kind of moment the body language wasn't right and i know that people were like oh body language you shouldn't be talking about it. like you know but this is a young team it's a young impressionable team and i just thought it was a bad look
1: fully agreed all right what else we got so next georgia mississippi state you wanted to talk about this topic there was something with a stuffed animal being. okay i was court. watching
0: this game live this is ridiculous I don't exactly—so I was eating Fun Nuggets, the, uh, the the dinosaur chicken nuggets that we eat. Fun
1: Nuggets are great.
0: Yeah, they are. They're great. We, we bought an air fryer. We eat these dinosaur chicken nuggets. But anyway, I was making those, so I, I was half paying attention. I was getting ready for the Arkansas game on SEC Network. So I saw the tail end of this. There was a technical foul that costed Georgia the game. Somebody threw, like, a bulldog stuffed animal at a player— and the the referees gave a technical foul. This drives me nuts. I saw somebody on Twitter, and I, I don't know who to attribute this to, but they said if you dressed up as like a fan of the other team and threw a you know an object, like are you gonna get a technical foul for that team then? Like, it's just not a good precedent to send. I don't know. I just I I think it's ridiculous when a fan can get a technical foul. You know what you do? You replay the play if it directly impacts you know, a major point of the game, but otherwise you just kick the fan out and that's it. I just don't understand how a fan can get a technical foul and it impacts the players that are on the court. They can't even do anything about this and neither can the coaches. I mean, it was a, it was a bulldog mascot stuffed animal. It was probably sold in the stadium. Like they're like, even the people that work for, you know, Georgia athletics, they can't do anything about it. So I don't know. I just, this really bothered me.
1: Yeah, usually you see a warning and then the coach gets on the loudspeaker and make it, makes an announcement. I know Buzz Williams has done that before. Okay, but like they threw a large object and it probably
0: interfered with the play. But I, I'm just saying the idea that a fan can get a technical foul in any situation just, just bothers me to no end. It always has. I've seen a fan get a technical foul before and I'm just like, they're not playing. They're not coaching. Just kick them out. And if it if it interferes with the play, redo the play. Yeah. Alright, what else we got?
1: So there was a video that went viral of a UPS guy when he was making a stop at when he was making a stop at a house starting to shoot jumpers and it got caught on video. And I know you have an interesting story about this. I do. Uh well not directly about this, but so
0: this actually happened to me one time. I was playing just, I was shooting around in my driveway when I was like 16 years old and UPS guy shows up and he has me signed for a package and he says, check ball. And I was like, what? He's like, check ball. What are you talking about? He's like, we're gonna play one-on-one. I was like, right now? He's like, yeah, like, all right. So we played one-on-one. We played to 11. It took like 20 minutes and this guy was a little bit younger than my dad. In his UPS uniform, almost beat me. And I was like in my athletic prime, which wasn't much at all, but you know, I was a 16 year old kid, and he's in a UPS uniform balling out, and I played him in one on one. It was awesome. So, the, the other one that I had was uh, I I broke into a gym or I didn't break in I I snuck in I snuck into a high school gym on a snuck day off in. whatever I I went in unannounced to a high school gym on a day off and was trying to get some shots up because our, our gym was locked and a janitor came in to kick me out and I convinced him to play me one-on-one. And if I won, then I got to stay on the court and continue to work on my shot. And if he won, then I'd leave. I beat him barely and he stayed in rebound for me in his janitor uniform. It's pretty cool. Like, you know, it was like, why kick me out? Who am I hurting? You know, I, I break into a school. I'm not. I'm not going into classrooms. I mean, clearly, I'm shooting on the rim. I mean, it, it, the guy was watching me for a while, complimented my jump shot, and then tried to kick me out. I'm like, I'll play for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think more things should be settled with one-on-one basketball. Life would just be better that way. Yeah, like Bush Gore 2000. They should have. They should have totally decided that on one-on-one.
0: Screw recounts. Yeah, exactly. You know, the War of 1812.
1: <laughs> like, you know, send the generals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, one-on-one. It's an easy I don't way... think basketball existed back then, though, in 1812. But, uh, I, you know, I, it's a better idea in my head. I don't know. I feel like we could we could settle more
0: conflicts this way. Yeah. I, I've had a few teachers that have given me some grades. I, I, I really wish I could, I could have balled out on them to try to get my A. Like, I didn't deserve those grades. I, have a, I got a B in calculus, and it still bothers me. College. I think about. I have nightmares about it. Anyway, continue. What else we got? All
1: right. So some baseball news. Manny Machado signed with the San Diego Padres for ten years, three hundred million. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of years. It is my opinion on that. And Bryce Harper's still. Bryce Harper's still waiting. All right. You've got a theory on this. I want. I want. I want you to talk about this. And I do have a theory on this. So he's on the cover of the MLB the Show video game. And the entire campaign has had him just wearing a generic jersey. And it's like, what jersey is he going to wear on the cover? So I think what they should do, kind of a conspiracy theory, is he's waiting until the week the game comes out. And on like a launch trailer for the game, it's going to come out that he's on the cover in whatever jersey he ends up signing for. He's going to make the announcement on the cover. And I think that's going to build a lot of interest for the game, build a lot of interest for him in general. I think it's a great opportunity. You want to know a better idea? What? Space Jam 2, LeBron James,
0: 15 days after his player options due, announces which team he's going to next at the end of Space Jam. So so think about this. So he films five different endings and he tells the director, like, right before they come out with the the, uh, the premiere, the, the theater premiere. And he tells them which one to put it in. Everybody signs a non disclosure or something. So everybody's going to the premiere of Space Jam 2 to find out who LeBron's playing for. Or they throw it in at the end of the credits, right? He just He just writes, like, you have to wait for all the
1: credits. And then at the end, it just says, I am playing for Team X from LeBron imagine the box office numbers that opening weekend would have. Yeah. It'd be ridiculous. It, it'd and be then absurd. people would want to see like how he did it
0: too. Especially if it were like a scene or something from the movie, yeah. everything he does is calculated. I'm telling you
1: there's something to this. And this might be, that might be the year that his son comes in the league, right? Depending yeah. Well, on- the, the NBA, uh, th- there was a report this week
0: that the NBA and the NBA PA haven't come to an agreement about the one-and-done rule, which would affect LeBron's son, Bronny, um, because he would be at that exact age where the one-and-done rule would be eliminated. I think you and I both agree that the one-and-done rule should be eliminated. It's absolutely ridiculous. That's another topic for another day. I'm sure I'll go on a rant about it at some point, but you know, the, I think the the point that you're trying to make is that he could go to a new team to play with his son, which I've always thought he's going to do. Yes. Um, you know, he could he could very well just, like, build up that he's going to leave and then just say, like,
1: at the end of the movie, I'm just staying in L.A. And everybody would still go. That would be the most anticlimactic ending to the movie ever.
0: Yeah, but it's still bring people to the box office. I mean, LeBron's about his money. I don't blame him. Definitely. I mean, the first movie for Michael Jordan was about him coming out of retirement. You know, he made a little statement about that. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Maybe LeBron James, like, announces his retirement at the end of this movie. I mean, that's his thing. That um, could be possible, no, it's No, I don't know. It's not, I, I Actually, I'm going to take that back, because I, I do strongly believe that he's going to play with his son. So, that's my thought. I don't know. I, I think that there's there's something here. He doesn't do anything by accident. The fact that it's this movie is coming out 15 days after his player option is not by accident. Uh. It's just... Just keep that on your just keep that on your schedule. Make sure everybody gets their their day off, you know, from work make it a national holiday. Space Jam two theoretical uh release. Was it July twenty first? I think it's July fifteenth, right? No, I think it's the twenty first.
1: We'll look it up after. Yeah. All right. Anyway, what else we got? So, this is one I kind of snuck in there at the end. Got by Johnny a bit. Uh, George St. Pierre, one of the best MMA fighters of all time. Who? GSP. You might know him by his initials a little better. Okay,
0: yeah, because his initials will tell me
1: exactly who he is. Who is he? So, So, he was the welterweight champion for a long time. He reigned forever. Tiny guy? 170 pounds, not tiny. Okay. So... So why he was one of the greatest of all time is because he did it clean as opposed to the other people who were considered in the greatest of all time race. John Jones, Anderson Silva. They both ended up testing positives for PEDs once USADA came into play. And GSP always kind of fought for, fought for a cleaner sport. He, he took a long time off from the sport to keep fighting for a cleaner sport. And then when he came back the ultimate boss move he came back moved up a division won that championship and then retired after winning that championship okay
0: so how is this a boss move he moved up another division what does that mean
1: well so he dominated this division forever so it's a boss move because he pretty much just came back after three and a half years away skipped all the contenders at a division that he never fought at a division meaning what his no. weight? A weight class, yes. Which was how many pounds? It was 15 pounds heavier.
0: Okay. There's not much of a difference between what was he, 170 and 185? Yeah. Like, I just never understood that. Where you're, you know, have you ever been in a bar fight before and you're just like, oh man, that guy's 15
1: pounds heavier than me. I can't take him. No. Well, it's it's a bit different in an actual competitive fight. How? Because especially in MMA, where there's wrestling involved, you could easily take control if you have more weight on you by just pushing a guy up against the cage, by taking him by taking him down and sitting on him. Okay, if I had two guys sit on me with a blindfold and one of them was 15 pounds heavier,
0: I couldn't tell you which one was which. That's a weird thing to That,
1: think that about. That's a very weird thing to think about. Yeah, I know, but anyway,
0: okay, like if you're in a boxing ring, right, like... If you're 15 pounds heavier than me, am I gonna be like, oh, his hands are much heavier. I can't. I can't take his punches. <laughs> like,
1: I, just... actually, I actually agree with you a lot on the boxing side. I think it's a little different in MMA. I don't know. I don't know what's the difference. Uh,
0: Ten pounds is water weight. Like, have you ever had a colonoscopy?
1: No, I haven't. I've had at
0: least 12. You know, and <laughs> I've had some. Okay, I've had some health issues. I don't know if people know that, but anyway, you lose like 10 pounds doing that. Like, have you ever weighed yourself in the morning and then weigh yourself at night? Like, there's, like, a seven-pound fluctuation. That's half of the weight right there. So so if I fought you in the morning, right, and you hadn't gone to bed yet, I, maybe that's how it works. I don't know. Like What? This made a lot more <laughs> sense in my head. <laughs> my point is that weight for, like, 15 pounds just is not that big a deal. I, I don't think. I just
1: don't understand it. It just what, doesn't make any sense to What me. if I told you that the guy I was fighting was a big middleweight and he was cutting, like, and he was cutting like 20, 30 pounds. Who came up with these names? What is a middleweight? What am I? 185 pounds. Ooh, I'm a middleweight. Yeah. Sweet. You know, I was
0: 220 was it a, a, two months ago. W- what was that? What would I have been? That's a heavyweight. So I went from a heavyweight to a middleweight. So I cut weight, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't do anything. We just ate five guys a couple hours ago. I, I seriously still don't know how that happened. I, I have no idea how I lost this weight. It's not. Yeah, no, 35 pounds. I didn't even really do anything. I, I go to physical therapy for my back, and I'm on the elliptical twice a week. That's it.
1: All right, so is that it for headlines?
0: I think that's it for headlines. This has been headlines. Now it's time for top five. It's, uh, it's a segment where we give our top five lists. We have a different category. I do these on Twitter all the time, at Carver Johnny. Uh, I'll do hashtag top five, and I'll ask a top five question, and I ask for people's lists. And I read everybody's uh, responses on that. I I find them really interesting, uh, especially if they're personal. But today, our top five question is, what are the top five greatest sports moments of your lifetime? So how'd you define
1: this? Like, what what did you consider to be great? So most of what I consider to be great, great games, great final plays, mostly clutch moments are in there. I did... Mostly, like, things
0: that were either surprising or shocking or iconic. It had to be one of the three. Yeah.
1: It just also just something that gets me out of my seat that I remember where I was when it happened. Yep. Every
0: every moment that I mention, and I have a lot of honorable mentions for this, like a ton, I think I can tell you exactly where I was for all of these. Man, I love sports. Yeah,
1: I could... I could do that for my list as well. All right, so I want you you to start. You go first, right? You go. You want to go first? I'll go first. All right. All right, so my number five was the Ray Allen gate game-tying three in the 2013 NBA Finals. Okay, so this is one of my honorable mentions. Talk about it. So, yeah, I mean, it was just crazy. There was a few seconds left in the game. He, he had a game-tying three to keep them in the series. They ended up winning the— and the series was on was on the line in that game. The Spurs were up three two. One of the underrated
0: parts of that moment
1: was that he had to set his feet
0: and look down, make sure that he stayed in bounds off the catch. Remember, he caught the ball and he wasn't at the three point line, right? Like he yeah. had to back up and then he had to put it out there. Like, and it was a quick release too. And I think he had somebody like that had an outstretched arm. Like, it's a really hard shot.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of likes I just used. It's Trey Allen. Yeah. Anyway, you got to trust him.
0: All right. So my number five was the 08 Olympic swimming relay. Do you remember when they came back? How ridiculous that was? I might have that
1: a little higher on my list.
0: Yeah. So it was Michael Phelps and a bunch of other swimmers. I don't even know if I can name another swimmer, but there there were there were there were other swimmers.
1: It was a relay. So Michael Phelps was third, right? I don't even remember where he was. I just remember that he wasn't the last guy. No, he wasn't. There was some random guy that went last. Yeah, and and a crazy comeback.
0: It was the year that he was winning a bunch of gold medals and going for some sort of record, right? Yeah, he won 12 golds. Yeah, and he needed
1: needed that to break a record, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah, and he started going nuts. That was awesome. Like, that was one of the greatest comebacks. I remember exactly where I was when that happened. Yep, I do too. All right, so number four. My number 4 was the Auburn Alabama Kick Six. How is that not higher? Because I have some crazy things that are higher. I'm not going to right, I'm not going to tell you so, that for me. So it's higher for me. I so I remember where I was here because I we were me and my dad were actually in London watching this game on a computer. And we were just like holy shit.
0: Yeah, I watched it and uh, I got so excited I ran out into like the main part of my basement. My family was hanging out there. Problem was I was naked. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I totally forgot. It's not, like that's how How, how do you
1: forget you were naked? Were you just that excited? Dude, they
0: returned a a field goal all the way back 100 and what was it, 109 yards. I know. You forget about things. It's crazy. All right, so my number four was the Villanova game winner. You see, like, that whole, that whole sequence.
1: So that, that includes the, the Marcus Page banking shot. I actually had that on my list. It was between that and Ray Allen for my number five. Oh, that's
0: better than Ray Allen. It was a buzzer-beating three from about 40 feet. The best part about that was Jay Wright when he
1: just mouthed "bang." And then just didn't react.
0: I, <laughs> that was so cool.
1: The thing is about that one is I could really see the argument for both. Because bo- both to me were like equal. It was really splitting hairs. I just think that the Ray Allen shot was more iconic. That's what it came down to. Okay, that's fair. I don't know about that. What's the Ray Allen shot called? Just the Ray Allen game tying three. Okay, this one's There's called the Ray Auburn kick six. It's got a name. It's got a name. It's important. We're not talking about the kick six anymore. What were we talking about? You're talking about UNC and Nova. Oh, you might want to rewind that. Nah. All right. All right. Let's continue. All right. What's your number? What's your number three? My number three is there might have been a little bias that went into this. I don't think so, though. The David, the David Tyree helmet catch. I had that higher than you. You're a Giants fan. I know. I had that higher than you did. Yeah. I had it too. Wow. Okay, so what's so special about this play is not only the catch, but people forget that Eli Manning broke a few tackles, scrambled out of the pocket, and launched a heave. When does Eli Manning do that? Yeah, the scrambler that he is. Yeah, exactly. It's not.
0: you remember that one time that Peyton Manning, like— was he, he probably had at least 20 yards ahead of everybody else for a clear touchdown in a regular season game and he just slid yeah like he had a clear touchdown and he just slid it was just, that was hilarious the Mannings cannot run no all right so it was three. three mine was Boise State the hook and ladder that they did so underrated and then I the two point conversion after that. that oh yeah I'll never forget that I know exactly where I was that was three and I I Looking back, I might actually put that too, but I just—I I don't know. It was maybe because it was college football. I didn't want to have like a like like too many that were that high.
1: And then and then the guy proposed after the game. Oh yeah, no, it too. was perfect. Yeah, that was exactly. amazing. All right, so two. So my number two, we're getting super patriotic with my top two. So, my number two was the Landon Donovan World Cup goal against Algeria. Yeah,
0: I don't watch a lot of soccer. I just remember that I woke up, didn't even know the game was on, turned the TV on, and within seven seconds of having the TV on, Landon scored the goal. So, I had no idea the implications of it, but I just saw people going crazy.
1: Yeah, so, so pretty much the implications of it were our spot in the next round was on the line. Okay. We needed to score. And we were in stoppage time. So so it was the ninety second ninety second or ninety-third minute. And we scored. We went through to the next round. Ended up losing to Ghana in the next round. But have you seen the video have you seen the video on YouTube? Yeah. yeah of everybody's it. reaction to that? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. That was that was one of the first real moments where just the entire country came together for soccer. Make me feel really bad about my number two. My number two is
0: David Tyree. Wow. Yeah. That I mean that catch was unbelievable.
1: I'll never forget where I was. I was I was splitting hairs between two and three there. Alright. So wait so we just
0: did We just did two. Okay, so one's next.
1: Now now we're on one. All and, right, so what's your one? And I said I said at number five I had it a bit higher. The swimming relay was my number one.
0: Really? Yeah. That, is the, that is the greatest moment in, in your lifetime in sports.
1: Yes. Wow. That's because, because when you think crazy. about it, Olympic record on the line, a freaking nobody makes one of the biggest comebacks you've ever seen in your life against the fastest swimmer on the other team. It was ridiculous. I put Auburn
0: kick six. And really? the reason I did was because it was so unexpected. You went from Alabama as a chance to win this game or it's going into overtime and you think that there's like no other possible scenario to Auburn returning the ball all the way back. And then it was a home game so they just stormed the field immediately. Ended Alabama's chances of the national championship
1: it was just so strange and I, I just so unexpected i think i think my thing about it why i didn't put it higher was because it wasn't a championship game fair enough but i i see where you're coming from on how unexpected it was that that swimming relay though man especially I, especially because like i i was kind of a really bad swimmer at the time people wait you can't swim no, no, no. I mean, I swam, like, competitively, and I was bad. Oh. I thought you meant, like, you couldn't swim. No.
0: That's a survival skill. Yeah. I never it's, understood people that can't swim. Like, how, how do
1: you not That's, learn like, to a
0: survival skill.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, like, stop, drop, and roll. You got to know how to swim. Yeah. Okay. Honorable mentions, because I think these are going to be more fun, because there's some random ones. One of them that I wanted to put on my top five, but I didn't know where to put it. First one was the Vince Young touchdown run.
1: You, you know my very biased feelings. Yeah, because um, you're a USC fan, right? But I grew up a USC fan. Yeah.
0: So this was not on my list. Maybe because I'm still upset. My mom made me go to bed because USC had a, like a 12-point lead. And
1: after that, she never made me go to bed during a major sporting event ever again. So I, I could- actually didn't see it live. I cried when my mom tried to make me go to bed, and she let me stay up. should have tried that. I didn't yeah. try that. I was, I was a bit too old to be crying, though, so. Yeah, I didn't try that. I'm still upset. I, I, I'm still upset I missed
0: that. But, I, you know, even looking back, I still like my top five more than, than that one. Here's another one that I wanted to put in my top five, other than the Ray Allen shot. That one was close. The R.J. Hunter game winner. Do you remember him? Georgia State. They were playing, I think, either it was Iowa State or Baylor. I don't know why I get those two. I think up. it was Baylor. I think it was Baylor. And the dad, like, had already torn his ACL from celebrating. Yes, I he remember falls that. out of the chair. I remember that. That was like, the ultimate March Madness moment. Like, there was just so much. It was just so heartwarming. That, that kid hitting, you know, the sun hitting the three from so far away. Dad falling out of the chair. Like, that was the most one-shining moment, moment ever.
1: That and Loyola Chicago, as much as I hate it. All right, we're moving on. Um, yeah, that that just that one drives me nuts for a number of reasons. And and one it was them, against Miami. That's why it drives me nuts. Yeah, and then they beat Kansas State. Yeah, yeah. that was a that's a just I
0: just ugh. Okay. Let's move on. Yeah, that that there were so many teams that should have beat them during that run. Okay, um, another one that I came up with. Unless do you have any uh,
1: honorable mentions that you're thinking of? Usain Bolt, that first one hundred meter where he coasted to the finish.
0: Oh, and he put his hands out. Yep. Yep, that's a good one.
1: That was one of the ones I was deciding. It was the Ray Allen three, the UNC Nova National Championship game, and Usain Bolt. Those were the three that were that were in contention for five. I heard a rumor once that he like ate McDonald's before that run. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's, I I heard that too. I think it's just a rumor. But. Okay,
0: uh, another one I had the Vikings game-winning touchdown over the Saints last year. Crazy, just because again it was something that was just so unexpected. Yeah, like I was just was completely thrown off. Did um, not expect that at all. Uh, I had the Derek Fisher zero point four second left shot. I was watching that live. It was yeah, a big one. Uh,
1: the Robert Ori shot over uh, the Kings in 2002. I remember watching that live. Speaking of unexpected, McGregor knocking out Aldo in 13 seconds.
0: Yeah, yeah. Was that the one where he told he said he wanted to apologize to absolutely nobody?
1: No, that was that was also iconic. That was Eddie Alvarez. Uh, yes. Okay.
0: Uh, okay. So LeBron's block in Game Seven. Okay, so if he would have completed that and-one dunk over everybody, that would have been my number 1.
1: It would have pro- it would have been in my top 5.
0: It would have been my number 1 easily if he would have converted that dunk. He was he got so high up there. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, but but he didn't convert the dunk. So, the the chase-down block
1: is is an honorable mention, but it's a good honorable mention. Um, that Tiger Woods chip that like trickled in oh yeah
0: where he throws up the fist pump yeah yeah that was pretty good that was iconic yep how about the big poppy homer in 04 red Sox. yeah oh yeah you're a yankees fan that's right (laughs) i'm really sorry about that but (laughs) that that one i'm a marlins fan yes you are here's one that you're not going to think of and you probably didn't even see it but this is not just a homer situation i was i was at this game Fourth down, and I think 20 yards, at least. Arkansas is playing Ole Miss in a football game. Oh, my God. No, listen to this. Hunter Henry throws a lateral behind his head, 25 yards. Running back Alex Collins picks it up and runs it all the way for a first down.
1: All right, that's, that's pretty crazy. It
0: was ridiculous. Then Arkansas scores like two plays later. Goes for two, doesn't get it,
1: penalty, so they get another shot, and then they score and they win. If we're going for uh, if we're going for homers now, how about Miami just steamrolling Notre Dame?
0: That game was so fun. That was <laughs> not a moment. That was just a. Like the thing about that game was that that crowd was so hostile. Yeah. Because game day started at eight a.m., so people started drinking around you know seven thirty or eight, right? Yeah, and then the game was at eight p.m. I have never seen a more ratchet pregame in my entire. Oh, life. Oh, it was it was a blast. I saw things that can't be unseen in that parking lot, and then at the game, like I was afraid for Notre Dame fans. Like I thought there were going to be like real fights. I I just it was the crowd was so I've, angry and they were screaming. It was so loud. Oh it was so fun. Never been in a louder stadium in my life. One of the most chilling moments I've ever had where I wanted to like run through a wall was when they came out of the tunnel with the smoke and they played welcome to my house party by Meek Mill. I was
1: in the tunnel spraying the smoke. and yeah, you were and 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 they were like dancing and it was like the most Miami moment you could possibly <laughs> have and then the and then the pick six to end the first half. I don't even remember, like, any individual uh-huh. part of
0: that game other than just a giant steamrolling and a bunch of screaming. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. All right, so other ones I have on this list. The the Pats interception on the goal line. You know, yeah. You should have handed it off to Marshawn Lynch situation. Yeah. Uh, Mario Chalmers' is shot to put the uh, KU Memphis game into overtime at the buzzer, fading away from the three. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't at the buzzer. He had, like, two seconds left. Um, it's a totally underrated moment in, in college basketball history. Uh, LeBron's second playoff game winner last year. It was like the second yes, one in one week.
1: I remember that. Yeah.
0: It, I think that was like a legacy de- defining moment for, that, for him.
1: You know what? He likes to say that... And he, didn't he do like a crazy celebration after too? Uh, he might have jumped on the scorer's table. He, on he jumped on the scorer's table. That was it.
0: Yeah. So he likes to say that he thinks he was the greatest of all time after the... 2016 championship the the when they came back from 3-1 yeah i think that there's a case to be made for that but like i thought that was the moment where you couldn't say anything about his clutchness anymore yeah and you couldn't before anyway like it was but but like even from a narrative standpoint it was over like it was just i thought that was a, a legacy defining moment for lebron that was a really cool moment um how about the Mahomes no look pass?
1: Iconic, iconic.
0: Yeah. It's ridiculous, dude. He wasn't looking at the receiver. How cool is that? <laughs> do you know I own two Patrick Mahomes jerseys? I know you do, home and away. I also have a
1: Patrick Mahomes jersey. It's long sleeved. If If you were wondering, Johnny fanboys over Mahomes. I love Patrick Mahomes. I just I really love that guy.
0: I'm I'm a big Chiefs fan, but boy. He's fantastic. All right. Uh, any other ones? I got. I've got some more. I, I just feel like I've I've been listening them off. What What do
1: you got? Any more in your honorable mention? Um, I didn't really. I didn't have more written down. I just had those two as like my six and seven, and then McGregor KOing Aldo was also in there. There's definitely some more that I gotta think of. Okay, what about that crazy UFC fight you and I saw with the
0: with the guy that was doing the crazy? UFC? Yair Rodriguez. Yes, that was ridiculous.
1: And then there was like a knockout with with less than a second left, and both of them fell. All right. So this guy got a knockout. He was losing. He was losing the fight. He was losing three one in in rounds. And then the fifth round with one second left. Man raises his elbow, does an up elbow, knocks the guy out. Buzzer. Ball
0: game. Buzzer beater. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And the whole time they they just were like high fiving each other. They just knew it was an iconic fight. And and in that one I don't know, was he Japanese? Yeah, Korean zombie. Korean zombie. Okay. Yeah. He was like doing these like karate kicks where he would just like do these spin kicks in the air and like kick him in the face. The other dude was taking it. It's crazy. It that, absolutely insane. Like, that was one of the greatest moments of sports I can ever remember. I just was on the edge of my seat the entire time. And it was just some random fight that
1: you and I were watching. Yeah. And I have to say it, Deshaun Jackson. Yep. Against and the And you were Giants. there, weren't you? No, I wasn't there that day. I was lucky. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, that was a good one. There's one that a lot of people in Kansas City will remember. Dante Hall had a game-winning touchdown return. And I wouldn't have said this had I not seen the replay the other day of how amazing it was. He backpedaled back to the five-yard line from the fifteen on a punt return as time expired, and ran it all the way back for a touchdown to beat the Broncos and eventually won them the division. Wow! So it was it was very similar to the Deshaun Jackson moment, but it was in two thousand and three. Dante Hall, the human joystick, best backpedaler in NFL history. He's like he's an elite. He's a he's like a top five video mixtape guy, <laughs> which is which definitely needs to be a top five that we do. Oh yeah, that sounds a little. I feel like that's something that like, is on like one of those Mount Rushmores. Yeah, pardon my take. I, I'm not trying to steal off of that. Like that's not how I came up with top five. Um,
1: but uh, and then one that we both. haven't listed yet. The AI step over. I remember watching that live.
0: Here's why that one's important. So Tyronn Lue is from Kansas City. And when I was five years old, I went to Tyronn Lue camp. I really did. There is a picture in my house of him holding me up to dunk. And I got to try on a championship ring. It was really cool. And it was right after the AI step over. So all these kids were just clowning him over it. Ooh. And it was he
1: was he, he was got holding clowned this, down by a bunch of little kids. And
0: it was a free camp. He was holding a free camp for kids, and they're all just like, you got stepped over by AI. Like that was a thing. That's these kids were brutal. And they were all under like they were like sixth grade and under. These kids are savages. Yeah, they were savages. And it was right after that. It was right after the 01 finals. Yeah. He was a really nice guy. He actually uh he really helped me develop my jump shot. Really? When I was five years old. Yeah, he did. Really, really nice person. <laughs> when I was five, mm-hmm. I developed my jump shot. I mean, look, no, I mean, my dad actually helped me develop it with a... Uh, we had a little tight school, and my dad would make sure that I would hold my follow-through. That's so awesome. And in my dad's office, he had a picture of the Michael Jordan last shot against the Jazz. The balls in the net, Right. And Michael Jordan still has his hand in the cookie jar. And my dad would make me stare at it in his office at work. And he would tell me, that's how long I want you to hold your fall through. And I always did. And what it did is it made me focus on the fall through and focus on jumping forward and staying forward. So my momentum would jump forward and it would give me backspin on my shot. And I would always think about that picture and I still have it on my wall. He, he eventually gave it to me when I graduated high school and it's still on my wall in uh in in kansas city and that actually was how i developed my jump shot was my dad working with me on a little tag school looking at that uh looking at that picture tyron and the other one was uh tracy mcgrady had a uh, like an adidas commercial where he was shooting a bunch and i had it on a vhs tape i just kept rewinding it and then i would practice it in my room like just just like his jump shot and i tried to like mold my my jump shot after it so that's how I learned how to shoot. Fun fact. Uh, any other any other shot or uh, moments I've got? Okay, uh, UMBC sixteen beaten one. It's not really yeah. a moment though. The other one I had was Northern Iowa. They had a game. Ali for Okmanesh. Not that, but thank you for reminding me how awesome that was. <laughs> yeah, um, I was it's actually. actually KU. Yeah, I think I was actually here in Miami, like on vacation. Uh, but that's not the one I was thinking of. It was the game-winning buzzer-beating, like half-court banking shot to beat Texas. Like three. Years oh ago. yeah, like that was what I was leaning. But uh, Ali Farouk Ali Farouk to beat to beat Ku. The eight beating the one. That Ku team should have won the national championship. That was a tragedy. And I was wearing a Kansas shirt, and I was just <sighs> in a bar of people because my mom went to Ku, I, I and know. I was a Ku fan at the time, and. I mean, but it was so funny. It was just so funny. It was hilarious, and I was just in a
1: bar full of people that were. I don't it. know how me and my dad just remembered Ali Farokmanesh for all these years. Everybody does. Like we would, whenever whenever the NCAA tournaments on, we just ask each other who's gonna be Ali Farokmanesh. <laughs> there's there's this video online
0: of him interviewing KU fans and they're just like <laughs> expressing their anger over
1: Ali Farouk but they don't know that he's the one interviewing them it is pretty funny it's and, a good one and then another one once again not really a quote-unquote moment but the Syracuse UConn six overtimes at Madison Square Garden yeah it was a good game I was watching that like a sleepover. That, that was more of a game. What would have made it a moment was Eric Devendorf had a shot to win the game. That's a name. Yeah. He also had a bunch of off-the-court issues. But yeah. he, he, had a sh- he had a shot to win the game in regulation. He hit it, but he didn't get it off in time. He already jumped on the scorer's table at this point, and they waved it off.
0: I kind of remember that. I've got another Syracuse one for you. 2003 National Championship. Who blocked Kirk Heinrich with, like, two seconds to go? Was it Akeem Wark? I think so. Yeah, it was Akeem Wark. That was a good one. Yeah. The last one I've got, you're going to laugh at me. People that know me well know how excited I was about this. I tweeted probably 100 times during this. Notre Dame's ball movement over (laughs) North Carolina. In the <laughs> ACC championship in 2015, I will never forget it. What? Their ball movement around the perimeter for the for the fourth quarter was just absurd. It was such pretty basketball. It was it was like I've never seen ball movement <laughs> like that. Like they were just oh my gosh, the, one more pass every time. They were just making the next pass. They were so unselfish around the perimeter. A moment in time, Notre Dame's ball movement. Notre Dame's ball movement against North Carolina, never forget. ACC Championship 2015. I was with a couple friends watching it at Arkansas, and they were just like, Johnny, you really need to calm down. I was like screaming. I was running around the room. I didn't know what to do. I was like pacing. (laughs) I was sweating. No,
1: I'm serious. I was so excited about this. So, So I'm surprised you didn't mention a crazy Ivy League set. Then as one of your favorite moments. Are you talking about the Princeton backdoor? Yeah. Well, I wasn't, I mean, I was like two years
0: old, but I like to watch it. (laughs) I like to watch it on, 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 uh, on YouTube. That's a good one.
1: I'm just talking in general as well. There's always some crazy sets in the Ivy league. Oh, I love watching Ivy league games.
0: (laughs) I love when, when like Penn is in the NCAA tournament and you know, they usually lose,
1: but I'm like, man, that was a, that was a great set. And I like write it down. How about well? Miami lost to two Ivy League teams this year, so I can't talk. Yeah, but. I know, but they, they lost to Penn, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, their sets were fantastic.
1: Penn Pen ran crazy sets the entire. Oh, game. I know. It's
0: I just they're constantly moving off ball. It's great. We've really we've really gone off course here. This we have. Been top five.
1: <laughs> yeah, you had to cut it off.
0: All right, is this, this is on? All right, okay. So the next thing that we're doing is the two K review, where Kyle and I play a game of two K and we tell you how it went. Kyle, tell the team, the team, what? the viewers, I've really messed this up. Do you think we should start over? Nah, right. just keep it rolling. All right, we're going to keep it rolling? All right, so anyway, we'll tell the audience how we pick our 2K teams.
1: So what we do is we do a snake draft of all-time teams. So anybody that's in 2K, legends, current players. we So we draft 12 players each. Each player has to play at least five minutes. and 13.
0: We, it's 13 players.
1: 13 players you're right so each player has to play at least five minutes 12 minute quarters hilarity ensues ensues because it's just ridiculous stat lines all around
0: I think we should tell them about our our team like who we have on our teams first um so why don't you start with your team give out give out your roster all
1: right so my so my starting five is Giannis at the one um, Ray Allen at the two, Vince Carter at the three, Dirk at the four, and Hakeem Ala- Hakim at the five. But an interesting thing about my team is I have two 99 overall players in Jordan and Magic, but they both come off the bench because my strategy is I shoot a ton of threes. So as you see, I have shooters out there. Vince Carter, for some reason, is arguably the best shooter in, all- in this game. And Ray Allen, Giannis is super fast. Dirk, Dirk gets a ton of rebounds and can shoot. And Hakeem is just an animal.
0: Have you mentioned Paul Pierce yet?
1: I have not mentioned Paul Pierce yet. That is my the bottom person on my
0: team. He's kind of like the walk on of your team. Yeah. yeah, we we always had to make sure that he played five minutes.
1: Yeah. So so Jordan and so Jordan and Magic are my sixth and seventh. I also have Jerry West, Tim Duncan. Bill Russell John Stockton, John Havlicek, and as he mentioned, Paul Pierce, who I who I try to fit in for five minutes somehow. I should probably get rid of him.
0: Alright, so my team, I have uh let's take a look here. So my point guard is LeBron. Uh the two I have Larry Bird. My three is Kevin Durant. Then I have the uh Big duo of Wilt Chamberlain at the four, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the five.
1: Somehow Dirk gets all the rebounds over both of them. Yeah, I,
0: let, let's let's be easy. We'll, we'll talk about the rebounding numbers here in a minute, and I think I think we'll uh, I'll beg to differ. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about that. Um, so off my bench I have Tracy McGrady, Clay Thompson, who uh gets really hot really quickly. It's probably the most valuable player that I have. Yeah, he is. Um. We got Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, and Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony. I, 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 uh, I'm unlike Kyle. He does the auto subs. I, I turn on manual subs. I like to make substitutions myself so I can play guys that are uh, having good nights. You know, they're playing well.
1: Yeah, I have I have set rotations, but I also have my lineup optimization based on who's playing well up to around seventy five or eighty. So it so it makes subs off of who's playing
0: well. And for those of you who don't know, uh, two K is a video game. I wonder if like somebody that's listening to this does not know that two K nineteen is a video game that we play on our PlayStation four. You're
1: you're a basketball guy. I think everybody should know that. I that feel like they basketball. do. Yeah, I feel like they do.
0: All right, so let's talk about the team team stats for this game. So I won 228 to 216. Pretty proud of my scoring distribution. We'll get into that in a minute, but I shot 66% from the field, 57% from three point, made 25 threes. You made a lot more threes than me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I shot 71 of them, so you would expect it.
0: Yeah. You had 39 for 71, 55% from three, uh, shot an amazing 17 for 20 from free throw. I mean, I, I shot really well with like Shaq and Wilt Chamberlain at the free throw line. Pretty yeah. uncommon for us.
1: I was I was trying to hack a Shaq at the end of the game, and Shaq just made all of his free throws, which.
0: So my bench outscored you 109 to 93. I uh, had more second chance points, 18 to 16. I had more points in the paint, 116 to 78 had more fra- fast break points, 56 to 38. I'm just making sure everybody knows that I played better than you Yeah,
1: today. it's it's rare, but it happens sometimes. Oh,
0: yeah, whatever. It's been happening a lot lately. 80 to 62, I had more assists.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it really came down, though, to the turnover stat. Because Ooh, yes. I had 25 turnovers, which you had 40 points off of.
0: I had 40 points off of turnovers. That's pretty good. Very, very proud of that. I did have 22 fouls, though.
1: Yeah. Except I didn't shoot that well from the line. Yeah,
0: you didn't. Eh, it's rough. Uh, my biggest lead was 19. Your biggest lead was 3. So, let's go uh, quarter by quarter. Uh, first quarter, I was up 48-39. Second quarter, 52-47. Uh, to 47, I, I won that quarter. Uh, so, the first half, it was hundred to eighty-six, which is pretty low for us.
1: Yeah, I mean... I usually score at le- we both usually score at least 50 points a quarter. So it was kind of shocking because I sh- I was shooting 39% from 3.
0: I was trying to figure out where you made up those points. I guess it wasn't the third quarter. You won 58-57 in the third. It was Must the, have fourth. Been the fourth. Was it the fourth? Okay, yeah, yeah 70 well, no, 72-71 in the fourth. You won both quarters but just by one.
1: Yeah, I was shooting ridiculously well from three in both quarters.
0: Yeah, okay. So I was just trying to figure out where all those those numbers came from. But we'll go to the individual stats, which is the more exciting part of this, if anybody's still listening to this. Um, we'll start with 13. You, you go ahead.
1: All right, so Vince Carter led the team with 63 points. He was a ridiculous 19 for 27 from three.
0: I think people need to know that for some reason NBA 2K remembers Vince Carter as – this sharpshooter, he is, like, the best three-point shooter in the game other than Clay and Steph and yeah. maybe Durant.
1: It's, it's ridiculous. So then, so then Ray Allen coming up next was Ray Allen with 38. Um, he was 8 for 15 from 3, 14 for 22 from the field. But interesting about both of them, they were both in my starting lineup, and my starting lineup got killed in this game. So they were both minus 19 and minus 20, respectively.
0: How about that dunk by Ray Allen, though? He had, like, that reverse jam.
1: Yeah, it's it's like it's mixed. Vince, Vince Carter is the sharpshooter, and Ray Allen is the all-time dunker. All right, what else you got? So, some other interesting things. Jordan, I need to play him more. He only played 14 minutes. Only 14 20,
0: minutes, wow. Michael Jordan only played 14 minutes.
1: And he had 24 points, so that's obviously a sign that I'm not playing him enough right now. Um, Bill Russell at 23... I'm looking for Whoa, crazy stats.
0: Wait. Hold here. on, hold on, hold on. We've got a f- possible five by five. No, 23, no. five, three and five,
1: three. That, and, and, yeah, and then he, one. Bill
0: Russell had five steals. It's
1: pretty good. Yeah. Because you keep running those pick and rolls and he still, he steals the pass every time. I won the game. I I know you did continue. God. All right. So Dirk had a double, double 15 and 13, but also was minus 19. Um Tim Duncan at a double double at 12 and 12 and 10. He was actually plus 9, which is a rarity for him. Jerry West a ele- 11 and 9, 3 for 7 from 3, and then just Paul Pierce got 2 points. Giannis- Honestly, about-
0: Hakeem Olajuwon playing 26 minutes only going 4 9 4 and 4, that's pretty Uncommon for him. He usually has a really good game.
1: Yeah, that was that was actually really uncommon. I usually do a lot more with him. I only sh- I only shot three times with
0: him. Giannis played twenty one minutes and had thirteen assists, but only three points.
1: Yeah, I've I used him more as a distributor today, and that was a big mistake. In all
0: honesty. Kyle is way better than me at this game. I'm just pretending to be cocky about this. Like, Kyle's way better than me. I'm very surprised that Giannis played as poorly as he did. If Giannis would have played better, he shot one for five from the field. Yeah. You would have won this game. Yeah. All right. So, any, anything else you want to talk about for your, your stats?
1: No. Just that my starting lineup got torched.
0: Okay. Uh, so, my team, Larry Bird, 61 points. How many did he have in the first half? Uh, he had 41 in the first half, including 30 in the first quarter. Uh, finished with 61 it's a good game for him nine for 18 from three uh you had Tracy McGrady had 22 points in 21 minutes it's a good bench performance for him eight for ten from the field two for two for three uh Will Chamberlain 18 minutes 20 points I'm liking that four for five from free throw that's pretty uncommon for him he's a terrible free throw shooter Clay Thompson in 14 minutes had 20 points I, I think they all came in the fourth quarter yeah, All maybe. 20 points came in the fourth quarter. And I think like half of them came in the last minute and a half. He
1: he does this. He doesn't play Klay Thompson for the whole first half, so he's fresh. And then he takes him off the bench, and he's just sharpshooting for the entire second half.
0: All right, so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 28 minutes, 14 points, 17 rebounds.
1: Holy God.
0: Nine assists, two steals and a block. Six for 11 from the field, two for two free throws.
1: I wish you could see me right now. My jaw is dropped.
0: That that was a good yeah, you're telling me that you like to out rebound me, but seventeen rebounds is pretty good. That's it's, a, that's a good it's
1: usually how it happens.
0: Yeah, that is true. All right, so Kevin Durant, who when Kyle had Kevin Durant on his team, we had to like redraft because he was winning every single game. Now that I have Kevin Durant, I don't use him as much as he did.
1: It's offensive. Because, because if I had him, he would be playing 30 minutes a game at least and scoring like 60 points.
0: 17 minutes, 13 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, 2 blocks. You only shot
1: You only shot 8 times with Kevin Durant.
0: Yeah. How about Kyrie Irving? 11, uh, 11 minutes, 13 points,
1: 5 for 7. You want to trade me, Kevin Durant?
0: No. 3 for 3 from 3 point. The reason I have Kevin Durant, who was my first pick, by the way, is because I didn't want him to have him.
1: Yeah, last time I had both Durant and Vince Carter, and it was just lethal.
0: Ooh, Steph Curry, 21 minutes, 12 points, 16 assists. 16 assists, 5 steals.
1: Wow, that came out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, that was almost a 5 by 5 He didn't have a single rebound. Otherwise, uh, you know, pretty good. All right, LeBron, 27 minutes, but only had 11 points, 13 assists, 7 steals. 7 steals. (laughs) Wow. Wow, okay. Uh, Moving on, we've got Shaq. Fourteen minutes, eleven points, ten rebounds, four assists. It's a pretty good game
1: for him. Kobe. Wait, look
0: at look at free throws for
1: Shaq. Three for four.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty nice.
1: And and all of those came in the last minute of the game.
0: Kobe, seven minutes. That's it. Seven minutes, eleven points. I like it. And then Anthony Davis played twenty three minutes. That's a lot of minutes for him. Ten points, five rebounds, ten assists. It's a good game for him. 5 for 6 from the field. then Carmelo Anthony, 11 minutes, 10 points.
1: Everybody was in double figures. Your walk-on played 11 minutes.
0: Yeah, well, Kobe was kind of my walk-on today. He only played 7. Yeah, the thing about Kobe is he's just like a discount Michael Jordan in this game. Like, I had to have him because you had Jordan. But then you don't play Jordan a whole lot, so... I I have
1: have to to start playing Jordan more again. The last few games, he's been ridiculous.
0: Kobe's been pretty efficient. I need to... I, I probably need to play him a little more, but... Carmelo Anthony's been that sneaky guy that I play only like 10 minutes or less. He usually gets double figures, so it's pretty good. A lot of guys that were over 20 points. I had, let's see, five guys over 20. Then, you know, Kareem with his 14, 17, and 9. I think that was pretty much the difference there.
1: Yeah, besides for Larry Bird, everybody else, your distribution was so awesome.
0: Yeah, 61 points for, for him. Yeah, these, these numbers were absolutely ridiculous. Like, so many records are broken. Every single game, somebody breaks the record for three points. Tell him how many three-pointers uh, Vince Carter hit.
1: 19. 19
0: three-pointers. <laughs> 19. That's ridiculous. I didn't realize how many points he had.
1: Yeah, he, had, he was playing just as well as Larry Bird on offense.
0: Yeah, a lot of this doesn't make sense. Like, if this were actually like time traveling basketball, this does not make a lot of sense. And we should note that all these players are their best versions of themselves in their prime. Yeah. So, yeah, should be should be noted. If you guys have any recommendations on our our minute distribution or who we should be picking up in free agency, if you guys play two K or if you don't, let us know at Carver Johnny and what's your Twitter.
1: At K Masaloni, we're gonna
0: get you more followers. You only got seventy. Yeah, hey, oh, one more thing that. you wanted to talk about because we don't have any structure. Um, Manny Diaz, my, uh, there's a, there's a whole Miami situation that Kyle wanted to talk about here.
1: Yeah, so so our coaching staff just turned into savages. So what happened was FSU was ha- FSU was having a coaching summit up in Orlando. Florida State
0: University is FSU.
1: Not everybody knows that, Kyle. They're they're known as FSU nationwide. They are. Yeah. Okay, continue. So they were having a Nike coaching seminar up in Orlando, for high school coaches. So Willie Taggart, Willie Taggart had his section, and then they went into breakoff sections. And when they went into breakoff sections, Miami's staff came in wearing all Adidas gear, and with a ton of free beer, and took a room and took a room on their own and gave all the high school coaches free beer, gave, started throwing out Adidas gear, and and they loved it. They all went there instead of the Florida State coaching sessions. And what happened was, when they asked Manny Diaz why he did it, he said he wants to bring back the FU swagger to Miami, which, which I personally love.
0: Well, I have a theory about this. So last week it was on campus. Jimmy Johnson. Who hates FSU? Yes. Jimmy Johnson?
1: Yeah, he hates FSU. Yeah,
0: and uh, who would do something like this?
1: Jimmy Johnson. He
0: came up with this idea. I'm like 200% sure. This is a Jimmy Johnson move.
1: I mean, but also, Manny Diaz was having at his first workout a wrestling ring and having them just tackle dummies and throw them out of the ring with, with the names of teams that they lost to. So, he... He does, he does some crazy, he's been doing he's some crazy stuff. You he's absolutely bringing the U back. Yeah, and I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, he's bringing
0: the U back. Definitely yeah. bringing the U back. I'd agree. I realized that I think through half of that conversation I was on mute.
1: Wow. So we'll see what they heard. <laughs> I don't know how long I was on mute there. Well, I mean, I wasn't on mute, so.
0: Okay. Well, my my whole point was that Jimmy Johnson came up with this uh, came up with this idea. Yeah,
1: they they might have just heard me saying Jimmy Johnson, and were wondering how that where where did that come from? He's just randomly just an awkward pause, and then me saying Jimmy Johnson over and over again. We're
0: still just trying to figure out this podcast thing. This is a lot harder. I always hear people say like anybody can make a podcast. That's absolutely false.
1: No, this is this is really hard.
0: Okay. So next week. We're thinking about doing a thing where we do a seven-game NBA final series between the two of us. We'll, we'll talk about their, our, uh, our averages. Yeah. Might be something we do next
1: week. Yeah, that, that would be awesome. Okay, well, if people because, find this interesting, I don't know. Because we play that many games in a week anyways. T- tell us what you think because we love playing 2K and we think we think all the scoring, the scoring distributions of all the legends is super interesting, especially since Vince Carter is randomly the best.
0: All right. Thanks, Kyle. You've done a good job. Last thing we're going to do is an interview with our sponsor, at underscore Merlin. That's next. It'll be me and him. And uh, Kyle, thank you for being on the podcast. Appreciate it. All right. Great news, listeners. I did an entire interview with Ethan, our sponsor, at underscore Merlin. And the interview didn't record. I used a call recorder on my phone. I've used it many times. And for some reason, his phone wouldn't connect to it. And so we talked for 30 minutes, and absolutely none of it recorded. So I talked to him, and he actually had a cold, so he kept sniffling throughout the interview. And I told him, let's do this in a couple weeks when we're coming into the North Carolina game. And we can talk about a little bit more um, of the season. You know, We'll have an update on Zion. Uh, He'll be more prepared because I, I was throwing a lot of questions at him using uh, some Ken Palm stats. Uh, those of you that, who don't know what Ken Palm is, KenPom.com is an analytical website for college basketball. It's fantastic. Um, and I talked about some of the um, statistics from the team, and I felt like I was throwing them off because he didn't have the numbers in front of him. But just to summarize our conversation, uh, the one that you will never hear, because podcasting is really difficult. And uh, if any of you guys have any advice, by the way, on how to hook up a phone call to a podcast, Please give me that advice on Twitter, uh, at Carver Johnny. Let me know how to do that, because I want to have more um, people on my podcast that I can't necessarily do the interviews in person, especially our great sponsor, Ethan Merlin. But just to summarize some of the things that we talked about, he talked about his, his fandom of Duke, and it goes back all the way to um, that national championship team, I believe, in 2011. And we talked about the team in its current state, how R.J. Barrett stepped up as a scorer. I talked about Zion a little bit and my opinions on him, how I think he's one of the best players I've ever seen in my life, um, how he finishes so well around the rim, his power. Um, and one thing that I tried to address was, you know, a lot of people are saying that his uh, his shot is not where it needs to be, particularly from three-point. But I was watching a slowdown of his three-point release, and... What I like about his shot is that he has what's called an elbow to eye release, meaning that his shot release comes off when his elbow is parallel to his eye, which is the ideal point of release um, for a jump shot. So it's not too high. It's not too low. It's not what's called a shot put release, um, which you see, for example, from Draymond Green. He struggled recently from three point line. And it's not exactly the the prettiest shot. A lot of people say it's like he's shooting with a backpack on. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, But Zion Williamson has a good elbow to eye release. I like his fall through. He holds it and he doesn't backpedal. One thing that players do, uh, particularly um, jump shooters, I see this often, is they backpedal. And what happens is their momentum goes backward and the shot is often short. Or even worse, they overcompensate for the fact that their their, momo- their momentum is going backward, so they push the ball long. But when you jump forward and you stay forward, that momentum can be controlled by the player, and they don't have to account for that distance of going backward and that momentum going backward. So uh, those are the things that I like about his jump shot. I think that, um, you know, I don't see any hitches in his jump shot necessarily that I'm concerned about, but I his the, the wideness of his elbows... Um, what I call chicken winging, you know, you know when you when you do like the the chicken dance and you, you have your elbows out. There's a little bit too much distance between his elbows. I would like for his elbows to come in a little more, uh, to shoulder width apart. I think that that would probably help his release point a little bit better. But other than that, his jump shot's fine. Um, according to Ken Palm, he's fourth in the country in two point percentage. He's fifth in the country in true shooting percentage. Um, He's, I mean, he's an incredible inside scorer, and a lot of that's because of his dunks, his ability to, you know, score well around the rim. But I think also his shot is not completely unbreakable um, or unfixable, rather. Um, so that was that was one thing that I talked about that I thought was of interest. Um, you know, Ethan brought up the fact that he really loves their defense, and I, I want to highlight a couple things uh, about that. They are fifth in the country in defensive three-point percentage. Uh, their defense, uh, you know, is is holding teams to a 28.7 percent from the three-point range. Um, they're holding teams to 44.9 percent from two-point, um, which is 22nd in the country. They are third in block percentage, which makes sense with Zion, and they're first in the country in steal percentage defensively. So they're com- they're not committing a lot of turnovers offensively. They are forcing a lot of turnovers defensively. They're playing at a fast pace, which is impressive for their ability to um, hold on to the ball. And another thing that Ethan said that was really interesting, and I'm so sorry that you guys can't hear that part of the conversation. This is because I'm inept in podcasting. They are really impressive in their experience, their lack of experience, rather, in relation to their maturity. They're an extremely mature team. And that showed in their comeback against Louisville where they were down, I think, 20-something, it was like 22 points um, in the final few minutes of the game. And yet, experience-wise, they're 347th in the country. There are only, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, six teams that are younger than Duke in terms of the players that they're playing. They only have one senior on the team, and he's barely getting any minutes. Um, he's playing 6.4% of their minutes. Um, you know, they're playing a few juniors. Like for example, Marquise Bolden is getting, uh, I believe, uh, less than 16% of their possessions used. So he's not playing a whole lot. Um, but you know, they're, they're playing their top four minute guys are RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson, Cameron Reddish, and Trey Jones, who are all four freshmen. And then they're playing Bolden, um, They're playing uh, their big man, uh, I believe it's Yavin D. Lear. I I don't know how to pronounce his name. I promise you I know things about him in terms of watching him. I just can't pronounce his name very well. Again, I apologize. Um, Alex O'Connell's a sophomore. Uh, He's playing a little bit as well. Jack White um, is ranked nationally in, in a few categories. He's actually playing pretty well for the limited amount of playing time that he's getting and, uh, as well as Jordan Goldwire, uh, sophomore is getting less than 12% of possessions used, but, uh, is playing decently well, uh, for the amount of minutes that he's getting And It's not a whole lot, but it really speaks to their maturity, particularly the three main guys. Actually, I'm going to say four because I think Trave Jones is an extremely important player for that team, especially defensively. He's one of the best, uh, defenders for Duke that I've seen, um, Those four, you know, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, Cameron Reddish, and Trey Jones, their maturity, given that they're only 18 and 19 years old, is absolutely incredible. And like I said, we talked about the fact that um, that really showed in their game against Louisville. And uh, we will have Ethan on again, like I said, in a couple weeks, probably somewhere before the North Carolina game or maybe right after it, so we can talk about that. Um, I will hold on to my promise of having him. In the meantime people, please tell me how to hook on a uh, a phone call onto a podcast, which is one of the many problems that we've had on this podcast. And I want to make sure people understand that this is the first podcast I've ever done. So if I fumble with my words, I say, um, whatever, just ignore it. Pretend it doesn't happen. Turn off the podcast, whatever. I, we'll figure it out. We're going to, we're going to get this all figured out. It's going to be better because we've got these official microphones. I think we sound good. So that's good. I, I think that that's uh, a positive. If I were to Rate this podcast. I'd say it's like a C minus, but we're going to release it anyway. And I would, I would even just give it the C minus just because we have two official microphones. Thank you to our sponsor at underscore Merlin, who really came in the clutch for that. So uh, it's amazing we have a sponsor before we even release a podcast. So we're going to release this hopefully today, which is Sunday, February twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. Just in case somebody's trying to like catch up in the future if we have more podcasts and I don't crawl in a hole and never do this again um if you have any feedback on what you want to hear in the future please let us know I know we rambled on about some stuff um one of the segments that we did Kyle and I were pretty tired and almost delirious it was like two in the morning but we were doing top fives so there was a little bit of rambling going on but um and there is right now I'm I'm still rambling I'm still talking um I should stop doing that This has been the Carver Johnny Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will have a podcast hopefully next week.